Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So we obviously know we're kind of in a new era as it relates to college football, where NIL, Transfer Portal, kind of puts you on sort of a hyper-aware footing uh, a lot longer than maybe it used to be. You know, it used to be that in some form or fashion, this time of year started feeling like the off-season, and yet whether it be at Georgia or other places – there's nothing really all that off about it. You know, you're not only trying to recruit for class of 2024 or as Georgia did uh, earlier this week, pick up a couple names for the class of 2025 as well. You're not only doing those kinds of things. Oh, yeah, by the way, at some point in time, also trying to put a finishing touch on the class of 2023, the current cycle. You're not only doing that. It seems like you're also kind of forced right now to sort of re-recruit your own players. A little bit here, too, uh, whether it be guys that could go to the NFL draft and maybe some you think might be better served by coming back or guys that could be in the transfer portal, maybe more prominently here. And George is not immune to this, despite the fact they are the go for two and 22 back to back national champions. They're just not immune to any of this. And you're probably aware, at least many of you who are you know kind of plugged into the Internet, there is a rumor out there that Georgia wide receiver A.D. Mitchell could be transferring. We could be finding out about that at some point in time today. And by the way, by the time you hear this show, maybe you know more about this then uh, than I do now, or maybe you just already know more about this than I do. It's obviously a prominent rumor that's out there. It is not you know, confirmed or anything like that. I'm certainly not here in a place to uh, confirm it for you, but it is loud enough on the internet that we're going to talk about it here for a moment. The idea that Mitchell might leave, and I mean, I guess the school that's being talked about here is Texas, and I guess the reason that he's thought to be leaving is because Texas might throw around a bunch of money here. That's kind of the stuff that's out there, unconfirmed and and everything else. But it's but it's as I said before, it's sort of noisy enough that you at least got to pay attention to this. And so I'm going to give you two quick thoughts on this here just for a moment. And we're going to kind of speak about this from sort of the hypothetical standpoint that maybe this turns out to be true. And if it doesn't, or if Mitchell enters the portal, decides not to leave or whatever else, then obviously Georgia fans, I think, would probably celebrate that as good news. But just hypothetically here for a moment, let's talk about this from the idea that it might be true. There are two thoughts that kind of come to my mind pretty quickly on this. I think the first is this. Things like this sort of raise an interesting question here in 2023 about who exactly your rivals are in college football. Like traditionally speaking, Georgia's rivals have been Florida. We all have always said around here that a good Georgia fan is a Gator hater first and foremost. We believe that's Georgia's number one rival. A school like Auburn is Georgia's longest standing rival. And if you live over in West Georgia, things like that, you hate the Auburn Tigers. That's a traditional rivalry. Kind of the same way like in-state foe Georgia Tech kind of might be. So when I was a kid back in the 80s, you know, Georgia's final three games every single year were Florida, Auburn, Georgia Tech. That was kind of the portion of the year when you sort of got to the rivalry time of year. And those were Georgia's rivals. But in 2023, doesn't it sort of seem a little bit different than that? Doesn't it sort of seem like your rivals may not be your traditional foes as much as whoever it is that's sort of trying to take food off your table in any given moment? And maybe it's a school like Texas that you never play, or maybe it ends up being a place like USC or somewhere like that, or like Ohio State. And all all of a sudden what that kind of creates is one of these deals where – you just sort of hate everybody all the time. If you if you kind of noticed this, you kind of felt this way, where you just sort of feel like everyone's trying to steal from you the the success that, as a Georgia fan, you sort of feel like you've earned. And so you go out and you win a national championship, sixty five to seven, and all of a sudden that almost doesn't feel like enough. 
It's like you have sent such a clear, resounding message that no one plays college football at the level that Georgia does. But then the immediate aftermath of that, you've got people trying to sneak in and sort of, you know, you know, steal some of your assets or, or, or tamper with your roster or however you want to describe all of that. And all of a sudden you feel like, hey, maybe 65 to 7 is actually going light on the rest of college football on this. And the degree to which you celebrate kind of a rivalry win against a school like Ohio State or something like that, that maybe you should have celebrated even more because it's just an example of you have got to constantly be proving, constantly be demonstrating just how much better a college football program you are than than anybody else that's out there and constantly uh, identifying the fact that hey somewhere else may be able to offer you more money somewhere else may be able to offer you a sweeter deal somebody else may be able to say hey we'll go a little lighter on you won't be quite as hard on you as those Georgia coaches are there may be some place somewhere that makes a better pitch to you that that sounds attractive to you but they're not going to beat us they're not going to win on the football field and 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 Georgia can kind of continually going out there improving that over and over again that was kind of the first thought for me on this which is that man it just sort of feels like in this day and age everybody's your rival and everybody even if they're geographically far removed or the kind of team you haven't really played very much you know in the case of texas they're just simply not good enough to play georgia on a regular basis uh you have to have certain qualifications to even play georgia and texas can't get entrance into that club right now the 2018 sugar bowl notwithstanding so that's kind of the first thought that uh i guess i have on that the second thought is this and let's just be honest here for a moment. Listen, on the one hand, I guess if a guy like Mitchell or somebody else were to leave, I mean, I can't be that mad at him for taking advantage of the of the opportunities that are in, in place in college football right now. I'm not going to kind of come down and say, hey, if somebody's offering you a whole bunch of money, you shouldn't take it. I, I guess I'm not going to say that necessarily. But it does leave a lot of Georgia fans asking the question of, well, what do we do with this? What does this program, Georgia, do if a situation like this turns out to be real if a situation like this turns out to be just the way that college ball is right now and this may feel like small consolation I understand but I do truly believe this is the right point of view to express in light of what might be going on and if it doesn't turn out to be true on this situation it's going to turn out to be true in some other situations some of the time in the very near future we all know that to be the case people are going to come to a roster like Georgia because of its overall depth they're going to try to poach guys off the Georgia roster and at some point in time whether it be Mitchell or somebody else someone's going to succeed in doing this so so let me give you a little bit of comfort here, probably the best that I possibly can. Maybe this falls on deaf ears. Maybe this is not, I guess, uh, a full consolation, but I believe it's the truth nonetheless. It's simply this. If you had to be the choice of being one school or the other, you definitely want to be George, and not just because George is winning games. I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the contrast here for a moment. Between the school that identifies a guy like A.D. Mitchell, let's just use him as our kind of hypothetical for instance here. A school that identifies A.D. Mitchell at a time in which no one else was aware of who he was at all. This is an example of Georgia scouting. This is an example of Georgia identifying a diamond in the rough. And they bring on Mitchell. They develop Mitchell. They, they get something out of him in 2021. He catches a, a, a touchdown that almost kind of proved to be the game winner against Alabama in the national championship. He obviously caught the game-winning touchdown against Ohio State uh, here at the end of the 2022 season. But this is a guy that Georgia found. They developed. They got something out of him. And now a school like Texas is going to swoop in and say, we're just going to buy him from you. You you may have found him, you may have developed him, but we're going to walk around here, we're going to money whip you, and we're just going to swoop in here and we're going to buy him from you. If that's what they do, then that's fine. But if you had to be one or the other, 
of course you want to be George in this case because the ability to identify talent, the ability to develop talent is a much more renewable resource than the ability to acquire talent through financial means. Because eventually, I don't care how large of a sum of money you're talking about, money just sort of runs out or the willingness to kind of keep giving money for a cause like this eventually just sort of runs out as well. But in the in, in the case of the Georgia part of this, the tenacity, the intelligence, the however else you want to describe it to kind of go out and find players. That's the kind of thing that does not have to run out. That's the kind of thing that does not have to be in limited short supply, that you can do that as long as you want, identifying guys who can play, developing them, pushing them to be the best version of themselves while they are here. That's the kind of resource that just does not have to be limited. It can be renewable. And so given the choice of being one or the other, of course, you would want to be Georgia. And in fact, let me let you hear Kirby Smart on this for a moment. I played this on one of our shows from when we were out in Los Angeles, but I think it's worth revisiting a situation like this. So I asked Kirby in L.A. Tuesday after the national championship about the idea of scouting. I didn't ask him about Mitchell in particular, but this could have been about Mitchell. Uh, but the fact they really found a guy like A.D. Mitchell. They kind of found a guy like Ladd McConkey. They sort of found a guy like Javon Bullard. I mean, a lot of the guys that are like very, very good for Georgia – Georgia just sort of found them. So I asked Kirby, well, how do you find them? And this is what Kirby said at that particular time. Take a listen to Kirby. I don't think anybody's got it figured out. I certainly don't think we have a secret sauce for, for identifying players. We all watch the same tape. The problem is I've come to the conclusion there's very minimal difference between player A and player B if they're, if they're both starting, both playing, and they're both getting recruited by SEC schools. There's minimal difference. The difference – is in with the hard wiring of that player. And I don't know, we all talk about it. We all say, well, I want the right guy. I want intangibles. I want him to have this and that and this and that. Like, the difference in these two is they hate to lose. Like, these guys hate to lose against each other day in and day out. And I've started saying, you know what? You're going to sign 3D tackles. You're going to sign 5DBs. You're going to sign two tight ends. You're going to sign a quarter. Sign the ones that can't stand losing. Now, let me ask you a question. I mean this literally. And by the way, when he says, when he references these two, he has Brock Bowers on one side of him. He has uh, Javon Bullard on the other. Now, I'm asking you a legitimate question here. What if I gave you a choice? You can have an unlimited supply of NIL or you can have whatever that is. Which one do you want? And I mean this literally. I mean this literally. You can have... You know, George's version of John Ruiz from Miami or so-and-so at whatever else. You can have, like, big-time billionaire just willing to just pump whatever money into Georgia you can possibly get. You can have an unlimited supply of NIL, or you can have Kirby, what he's talking about right there. I don't mind telling you, and I mean this as genuinely and as authentically as I possibly can. I would rather have whatever that is than an unlimited supply of NIL. And I am not against NIL. I'm not against the players getting paid. Uh, I'm not, you know, I, I'm just not. I, I'm, I'm sort of fine with all of that. But what Kirby's talking about right there to me is more valuable than the ability to just sort of do what maybe a Texas might do, one of these other programs might do, which is, hey, we're so desperate for you that we'll give you whatever money you want. Somehow that desperation just sort of doesn't seem, doesn't seem to lend itself to great success. And by the way, this is not just a college thing because NIL in college is relatively new. But for those of you who follow professional sports, let me ask you a question. In the NFL, how many teams have spent their way to a Super Bowl via free agency? 
the best I can tell, the biggest spenders in free agency typically be typically seem to be the worst franchises in Major League Baseball. How many of the most active teams in free agency are the ones that actually go out and win the World Series? I mean, the best that I can tell, it's been like what Alex Anthopoulos has done with the Braves. Be really good at scouting. Be really good at developing young talent. Uh, and you can pay him after that. But it seems to me that that even in professional sports, where we've, where we've had the idea of free agency for a long time, it seems to be that the most active teams in free agency are typically the most desperate teams. And they're desperate for a reason because somehow, some way, they don't quite have the bone structure within their organization to build it themselves. They have to go try to outsource it somewhere else. And frequently, whether it be Major League Baseball or the NFL, two sports that I probably follow uh, the closest, I guess, it seems like that doesn't always really work. And I'm honestly not quite so sure it ever really truly works spending your way straight to a, uh, a World Series or Super Bowl. So it certainly doesn't seem to happen very much. And so given the choice of being the program that develops the talent, that, uh, that, that identifies the talent, and then has the talent stolen from you, better to be on the front end of that and the back end of that because the back end of that typically more often than not seems to be a little bit of a desperate team. Now, you heard Kirby say, hey, the thing we want to find, we want to find guys who want to win. Give me guys who can't stand losing. And then Smart went into a little bit more detail of exactly what he meant by that. Here's Kirby again. The ability part is important. It's not, it's, not, it's not to be diminished. But sign the right mental makeup and get people that can develop. Um, and, and, and how do you measure that, right? Like, like, like You can't measure that just on a phone conversation. You know, these two guys were Zoom babies. They Zoomed. And, and this guy sent in 100 videos. We've heard about his videos, but Coach Munkin Zoomed with him and his coach to sell his coach on how we could use him to make him believe that, you know what, I can be a part of an offense that hadn't used the tight end that way. And so he had to sit on a Zoom. And I'm like, if they'll sit on a Zoom during COVID, they go, they'll probably be successful because most people won't do that. In recruiting, kids are like, I'm not sitting on a Zoom and talking about that. Well, this guy was sending in videos out in his backyard. You know, he's, he's got a military background. And when you got a military background, you probably got some toughness and some some makeup about you that makes you the right way. And we, we've been fortunate to make some good decisions on kids that, uh, you know, maybe other programs didn't value their uh, intangibles enough. I'm telling you, I want whatever that is. I, I want it. I, I want it. I don't care about winning the offseason. Georgia didn't win the offseason last year. Alabama won the offseason. They got Jermaine Burton. They got Jameer Gibbs. They got, you know, a random dude from Louisville. Offensive lineman from Vanderbilt. They won the offseason. USC won the offseason last year. They stole Jordan Addison from Pitt. Uh, Texas A&M won the offseason last year. They put, what is it that uh, Slice Bread said, $30 million together to buy the uh, recruiting class. Georgia didn't win the offseason last year. George also didn't lose a football game during the season either. So um, I'm not into winning the offseason. And there's a chance by the time this day is done, maybe Georgia sort of looks like a little bit of an offseason loser. Maybe a guy off this roster leaves and, 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 and goes somewhere else. And what I'm about to say is going to sound harsher than I mean for it to. Uh, but as Kirby says, give me a guy who can't stand losing. If you would willingly leave a place that doesn't lose – uh, to go to a place that almost certainly is going to lose more, then you're probably making the right decision. If, that, if more losing is something you can tolerate, then you probably would be happier somewhere else. You really probably would. And as I said before, that comes across as more harsh than I intend for it to be because 
you know, in, in the case of a guy like A.D. Mitchell, I hope that he stays. I really do. I really do. But the cost of entrance at Georgia is clear. This is a place for people who can't stand losing. And if you can stand losing, then you should know it right away. You'll probably be happier somewhere else. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented today by Breda Pass Management. Happy to have you with us. No matter how you get to us live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, or on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, or available as a podcast, wherever you find them, all across the various podcast channels. We're uh, just so happy to have you with us. 945, of course, we start for our first and 15 at dognation.com, the Dog Nation app. And grateful for our friends at Breda Pest Management here as well. They do such a great job for us. We are so proud of great partners like them. And one of the other things that makes them cool, they're also the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics too. And uh, I know Matt Breda was loving it over the course of the last couple of weeks seeing Georgia bring home that national championship again. And I am so happy to kind of encourage you to reach out to them and make them your pest control provider of choice there too. Let's face it, termite situations are real here in Georgia. This is a state where termites are just a fact of life. And if you want to be a good homeowner and take good care of your home, having great termite protection is something you need. You already know that. That's why you already have a termite company. But here's the thing we also kind of know there as well. Some of these fly-by-night companies that you might be doing business with, they're probably sending that letter in the mail each and every year. Up, oh, service costs going up. Everything seems to be getting more expensive now. Termite protection for you may be no different than that. It's one of the reasons why I want you to make the switch to my friends at Breda Pest Management because they've been in business for like since the 1970s and I, I love like the sort of the family you know thing here obviously uh, Matt, Matt's dad I, you know the long-standing tradition that family has of taking good care of you when it comes to stuff like this uh, the fact they've got more than 100 employees working for them as I said before the official pest control provider of UG Athletics what all of that ends up meaning is is they want to take all of that strength they want to leverage it for your benefit by saying hey we've got the resources possible to make your pest control situation better for a better price you're gonna get somewhere else when you make the switch to braided pest management for your termite your pest control whatever else uh, you're gonna put more money in your pocket instantly just for making that decision so find them online bradapest.com it's b-r-e-d-a bradapest.com and you can trust them on all of that they're gonna take really good care of you all right so we're gonna get mike griffith here in a moment we'll talk to him but we do know what we don't know about the mitchell situation or anything else uh, that's out there we'll talk about all that here coming up in just a moment i also want to get ready to go around the doghouse here for a moment too now in light of what might or might not end up being not so great news georgia did get some very good news uh as of uh, yesterday when lad mcconkey made the announcement that he's not going to the nfl draft as of yet he's coming back to georgia again let's show you what mcconkey put out there on social media about that uh i, I love the edit here he says back to back uh, he could have said go for two and 22, but he says back to back, and that's good. He comes back to say one last ride with my guys. No place I'd rather be, back to work, and uh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Lad McConkey coming back. I had a chance to catch up with the lad a little bit on Saturday for a couple of seconds. I was kind of like right there. Th- I mean, I'm, I'm talking about I was literally the very last one at the dog walk because what happens is, and some of y'all actually saw this, um, 
I got uh, kicked out of like two different places where I was not supposed to be for the dog walk. Just kept getting moved, kept getting moved. And so finally, I just like, okay, I'm just going to go here. I was like literally the last person at the dog walk. So I had a chance to talk to a few of the uh, of the Georgia players that were coming by. We actually put some of this up on video. Uh, kind of a short conversation here with Lad McConkey, who in light of the fact that he's now coming back, the fact that he was enjoying himself so much on Saturday, a great thing to see. Here is Lad reflecting on being at the parade, the uh, national championship. A couple of seconds here with Lad McConkey. How's the parade feel? Oh, yeah. Um, anytime you have this kind of support, it definitely feels good. So. about 65 points in the national championship game? How much fun was that? Yeah, that feels pretty good, too. Great, great, great season. <laughs> so, listen, I think that's great. I, I love Lad McConkey coming back. And th- there are a couple of thoughts I want to give you on Lad McConkey. And at a certain point in time, I want to do more on this. We just haven't had time to do as much of this yet as I would like to. There's been a lot of debate about, you know, the fact that the Georgia team felt very doubted. They talked about that on Monday night, two Mondays ago in Los Angeles. They talked about that during the parade. Um, And a lot of folks have been kind of wondering, well, you know, how true was that really? There seems to be a lot of revisionist history about whether or not Georgia was or wasn't doubted uh, here this particular year. But I don't think you have to look much further than a guy like Ladd McConkey to prove that, yeah, there was some unfair doubt out there about Georgia. And there was a lot of negativity for a reigning national champ on their way to another 15-0 season. I don't make too big of a deal about the uh, athletic piece because I'm not sure how many people actually read it. But, but you know, prior to the, what is it, the college football playoff, whatever else, you had the anonymous coach and they're talking about how Ladd McConkey was basically – you know, just an average dude and, and wouldn't even be able to play on this guy's team, even though this guy was watching the playoff on TV while Ladd was going out there and doing a lot of things that he was doing. You can't tell me that Georgia wasn't doubted when you had those things said about a guy like McConkey prior to the college football playoff. I simply am just not going to listen to that. Uh, pretty obviously, Georgia kind of dealt with a lot of negatives. Uh, a lot of sort of negative commentary. Now, much of it was anonymous because uh, no one had the guts to put their name, you know, next to a statement like that. But it doesn't mean it wasn't real, even though even though it happened to be anonymous. And then beyond that, I think it's actually really amazing how much success a guy like Lad McConkey's had at Georgia, given the fact that, as we said before, this is another one of those achievements in scouting. Georgia identifying a player that anybody else could have had. I mean, Lad's a you know. His family had a long legacy at Tennessee. Tennessee could have had him, seemingly didn't want him. And yet look at the success he's had at Georgia. And in fact, let, let me give you this here for a moment. This particular season, 2022 for Georgia, Lad McConkey had 762 yards receiving and seven touchdowns. That's just one fewer touchdown and more receiving yards than George Pickens had for Georgia in 2019. Now, we all know how good that George Pickens is. And yet this year, uh, McConkey has a year for Georgia that's essentially better than the best year that Pickens ever had at UGA. And isn't that amazing? Now, uh, I think part of that sort of speaks to what Ladd is as a player in, in full, you know, kind of rebuke to anybody who thought he couldn't be. But I think a lot of this also speaks to the success of Todd Munkin as an offensive coordinator, that he's able to take the component pieces that he's given and he just makes them work to the tune of a guy like McConkey, who from a skill set standpoint, you wouldn't say is the same as a George Pickens, but from a productivity standpoint, you are forced to say is essentially the same. Or if not, uh, the nod goes to McConkey for actually being a, a little bit better. Like, that's amazing to me. And as I said to Lad a moment ago, 65 points in a national championship game, that's how you get there is you take guys like McConkey and you get the full extent of their value. And you do that with an A.D. Mitchell when he's healthy, and you do that with a whoever, and you do that with a whatever, and a million tight ends and everything else. Like, that's what was really fun about this season. It was the season in which the Georgia offense 
removed all doubt that it is absolutely as valuable to what George is doing here as the defense has been given credit for for the last couple of seasons. This was a a season that was punctuated by great offensive success. And really, in light of what happens against TCU, I think everything else that George has done offensively over the course of these last two national championship seasons, I think it's now forced to be reconsidered there as well. So McConkie coming back for 2023, that is really good news. All right, that's around the doghouse. Now, before we're done on the show today, we're going to get a little bit into the Stetson Bennett stuff from Twitter last night. Y'all, I've said this to our video on this now a couple of times. I can't do a ton of this. I know it's the thing that Georgia fans are kind of you know talking about here today. And if we're going to be a show for the fans and kind of reflect the fan conversation, I guess we have to mention it. I'm just not that into it. I'm, I'm just not that into it. So I'll do a minute or two on it to kind of close things out just so we can say that we did. And then after that, I hope we never talk about uh, – the parade or whatever happened. I hope we never talk about it again. So we'll, we'll do that at the end and we'll kind of move off of it after that. Um, and, um, you know, we'll kind of get in, into more now of what we do and don't know about the Mitchell situation, uh, McConkie's decision to come back and kind of everything else as it relates to Georgia, you know, in the business of working on its 2023 roster as we kind of all try to sort of get back and sort of figure out, you know, uh, what's next for this football team? Uh, let's do it all here right now with Mike Griffith as a part of Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Mike, it's obviously been a hard and trying time for Georgia fans, everyone trying to process some very difficult emotions. What we said yesterday was, you know, it's difficult to know how to move on after what we've kind of gone through over the course of the past weekend. And we said, hey, we're just going to kind of talk about the news and sort of address what's out there and let people kind of decide how much of this they were ready for again. And hopefully we've, you know, done right by doing that these last couple of days. So I want to do that with you here right now. Obviously, you know, what we don't do and don't know about uh, A.D. Mitchell, what we obviously do know about Lab McConkie coming back and everything else there, too. Let me, though, begin, though, with your own personal reflection on this. I don't know that I've had a chance to, to speak to you about this yet. It was a terrible tragedy on Saturday night with, uh, with, with Devin and, and Chandler, and Georgia fans have been expressing their feelings about this for the last couple of days. How about for you, Mike, if you don't mind me asking how this struck you personally and what your thought process has been like since what we, what we all became aware of on Sunday morning? Yeah, well, Brandon, I mean, I think you put a lot into proper context on your Monday show. I mean, we all, you know, we all deal with this uh, in different ways. We all kind of go through the, the stages of the grieving. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm kind of angry right now. I'm kind of angry and disappointed because I just, listen, this happens every day, everywhere. You can talk to young people till you're blue in the face about late night. You can take every preventative measure possible and accidents happen and that's the reality of it is we don't have as much control as we'd like and you know i suppose you know we're all kind of trying to find a place for it uh you know before i don't know i mean the player will be memorialized the staff will be memorialized it'll the information will come out at the end of the day, though. These are things that happen every day across the country. Young people, old, it happens. These are accidents happen. I mean, at the end of the day, I just keep telling myself accidents happen to try to diffuse some of my anger and disappointment and sadness. Um, and I just say accidents happen. And it's just, it's terrible. It's disappointing. It's hurtful to go. I think what accentuates it 
is that we went from such a high at the ceremony, um, you know, to waking up to tragedy and despair, and 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 just the whole why why of it, you know. So um, it, it's it's hard dealing with any loss. Uh, certainly, um, this was a very high-profile situation. Um, listen, you and I are in this business. You know, we've we've covered, been around athletics a long time, and you know, I just I ask myself, can you imagine what it's been like for Kirby Smart being on yeah. the road recruiting? He hasn't stopped. They, the, the show, I you know, the old saying, the show goes on. I mean, they, they have continued to recruit. They have continued to canvas the country. They have continued to meet with players about their futures, and and it, it's just what has to happen because of this calendar. I mean, today is the last day of you know players potentially leaving through the portal. Um, you know, we we still don't really know what's happening with Cedric Van Pran. Uh, I have not written this. We've talked about it among our Dog Nation peers. Uh, I was told there was an extension granted for the Georgia players, so maybe. You know, Van Pran didn't have to have his decision in by Monday night. Um, I was told that there was a, a special uh, extension granted because of the tragedy and what these young people in the Georgia roster were going through. Uh, that's why Lad McConkie made his decision yesterday. And um, so there is, to your point, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of feeling swirling. Uh, the transfer portal is rearing its head, rumors of players leaving. Offers being made by other schools, Georgia having to come up with funds to match offers. This is not a surprise. This is our new world, uh, and it's all hitting us at once. So to your point, yes, there have been a lot of feelings, emotions, thoughts, and it seems like it's all coming at us at 100 miles an hour. No, I think that's all right, Mike. I, I really, really do. And it's awkward to kind of move from that to football. And yet I do want to talk to you about some of the news that's out there because, you know, you know, that's just kind of what we do, I guess. But um, I started the show by talking about the A.D. Mitchell situation. Obviously, I don't know what this is going to end up being, but I will certainly acknowledge that there's this much online chatter about the idea that Mitchell might be transferring. There might be something to that. And as I said before, or as you said before, I, I, I mean to say, as you said, this is just what college football now is in 2023. Um, Georgia fans want Mitchell to stay. There's a chance he may leave. Um, and kind of re-recruiting the guys on your own roster is just as big a deal now as recruiting the guys off of your roster as well, isn't it, Mike? Or not re-recruiting the guys. Or deciding that if this is the attitude, then let him go. Because you've brought in two other receivers and there's other guys that are all in coming back. You know, Kirby Smart um, is all about his players and all about development. But when I asked him about the portal and players leaving, uh, you know, his answer is, you know, if you don't want to play here or you don't think you can play here, then, then go somewhere else. And with Mitchell, that is the attitude I've been told. Um, you know, there's a lot that happens behind the scenes with players. We see Saturdays. We don't see practices. And there's a lot of dynamics within a team, and they're not for everyone. And if a player decides that they want to be somewhere else, uh, for whatever intention, uh, Georgia is not a program that's going to get on their hands and knees and beg anyone. Now, if it comes down to finances are needed for a family, uh, for a player, and this is a player who is all in with a good attitude, um, who is of the proper 
uh, mindset for Georgia football, then yes, I do think Georgia will match some offers. I do think they will work hard to keep some players. Um, I think every story is different. Every case is different. I think last year or two years ago, uh, getting Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt to stay another year was paramount to the national championship. It really was. And in fact, I'd go even further and say maybe you don't have back-to-backs if you don't keep Jordan and Devontae and create that championship culture that these kids have learned from and repeated this year. I mean, that was absolutely the right thing to do to find a way to keep those two players. I think Cedric Van Pran is that guy this year. I really do. I think he's the pivotal guy that you've got to keep. You've got to try to find a way. I'm not saying Georgia can't win a title without him, but I'm saying I think he is the absolute most important player right now to re-recruit and find a way to keep. And it's very difficult because, obviously, he's probably a second- or third-round draft pick. Now, does he want to come back and, and, and maybe be a first-round pick? What is the college experience worth to him? How much can Georgia offer? Um, but A.D. Mitchell, if he goes, he goes. And that's kind of the prevailing attitude that I've heard talking to people. Um, he's an incredible talent, but there's a lot of incredible talents in that receiver room that appreciate the opportunities and will work hard every day. Yeah, this is one of those things. I'll get to the SVP thing in a minute here, but this is one of those things, Mike, that I think Georgia fans would say is way easier to take because you've won two straight national championships than the blow of any player <laughs> potentially. Right. It's just way easier. And so my overall response to this is almost to kind of laugh about it more so than if it ends up being you know real, my overall response is almost sort of laugh about it more so than anything else because to me it's like – Georgia's sort of done everything but have the breakout wide receiver, and you sort of thought, well, maybe George Pickens is going to be that guy in 2021. Probably would have been, and yet he got hurt. And you sort of think, well, A.D. Mitchell's going to be that guy. He dealt with injury, but it's obvious that Mitchell's a very good player. And so coming back for 2023, maybe he's the guy that finally truly breaks out as a wide receiver in a way that Georgia sort of has. (laughs) And you're just sort of left to conclude that Georgia may just keep winning national championships over and over and over again. And sort of for whatever reason, whether it be odd circumstances, bad luck, or something else, just Georgia choosing to kind of you know feature an ensemble cast as opposed to to one individual hero that for some reason we may always be just sort of one moment away from the breakout wide receiver truly emerging and I, I guess there's a part of me that just sort of thinks it's sort of perversely funny that that everything just seems sort of set up for Mitchell to kind of come back and sort of finally have the year we've been expecting for Georgia wide receivers to have and yet maybe it ends up not being that way and somehow this just does not seem to impede Georgia's ability to win football games which is actually kind of amazing. Well, the statue is back. The statue is back. Brock Bowers is your breakout receiver. You're your All-American, your first ballot Hall of Famer, the guy that's going to be celebrated 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. He's, he's your machine. He's your superhero. He's the guy that we still think was created somewhere in a lab because nobody who looks like that should play like that. Not that he looks bad, but he doesn't look like Darnell Washington, and he runs over everybody, and he runs away from everybody, and you can't cover him, and you can't stop him. He's Munkin's Frankenstein. They line him up all over the field. So I, I would say we have our breakout player, uh, the superstar, the guy that can take over a game, the guy that can't be stopped, the guy that makes every catch, seemingly makes every block. Um, you have your amazing player right before your eyes. Now, by nature of the Munkin offense, there's not going to be a go-to guy because the offense is predicated on how the defense plays. And defenses aren't stupid. They're going to go, you know what, this guy's pretty good. We're going to shade him with the safety. And then the quarterback goes to the line and says, okay, I'm not going to force the throw into double coverage. I'm going to find the open guy. As long as Todd Munkin's here, the ball's going to be spread. Um, now, with Stetson, they created a high percentage offense with a lot of short throws, played to his strengths. 
listen, Stetson throws a great deep ball, a great fade, a great shot ball. Uh, and he throws quick, accurate passes. Intermediate passes weren't really his thing. It's kind of like a tough two in basketball. You don't see a whole lot of it. There's only a handful of guys that throw those passes. So it was a very high percentage West Coast offense based on Stetson's strengths and your personnel. Now you're bringing in a guy like Dominic Lovett. I, listen, BA, I can't wait to see. I don't know who the guy's going to be, right? I, I mean, I guess the odds would be back, right, just because he played most. That guy's got an electric arm, and he can put it – he can zing it. We saw it. If, if it's back and if we see more three and four wide, I don't know how much double tight end we're going to see. I, I'm not saying Delp isn't a star. I think he is, but he's the Darnell Washington type that can be an offensive tackle where you want that matchup. I mean, Darnell was pretty special. So I think the personnel is going to dictate what we see offensively. But with Lovett coming in and Ra-Ra Thomas, and listen, Ladd McConkey was much more valuable coming back. Uh, you know, probably the most valuable guy coming back in the receiving core. I don't know what Mitchell's going to do. But Ladd does so many different things. Another guy that runs with the ball, you saw he had, like, I think, 134 yards and two touchdowns, plus the return skills. So I, I don't think this is an area for Georgia fans to worry. I think if AD comes back, it would be great. But remember that he didn't play most of the season, and they won a lot of games without him. So if, if, if Texas or wherever is where he wants to go um, – oh, by the way, all gas and no brakes, Brandon. Uh, all gas and no brakes lost to TCU at home 17-7, to okay? Uh, Arch Manning, I don't know if he attended that game. It was at Texas with game day there, but uh, Texas lost 17-7 to to TCU at home. So I hope it works out for the Longhorns, but I think Georgia's going to be just fine. Let me finish with you mentioned Senator Von Braun Granger a little earlier. This is obviously a very important player for Georgia. His decision, when we finally hear about it, it's going to be a, a very big one. And I guess, Mike, this sort of gets into a bigger topic we have time to address in the last couple of minutes we have here. But there's this thought that, ooh, you know, you can use NIL money to, to, to get guys to stay and not go to the NFL. What the thought here is that there is a, at least a conventional wisdom that's out there, and I don't know what's true and what's not, but conventional wisdom that's out there, that it, well, if, if Van Prine's sort of that second-round, third-round guy right now, that by coming back the, the, the next year, that, that he might not be able to improve his draft stock all that much because he's an interior offensive lineman. So, therefore, if you want him to come back, you better pay him to do so. But can you really compete from an NIL standpoint with what an NFL team can pay, you know, can pay him? And there was the C.J. Stroud thing the other day where maybe kind of pie in the sky thinking in Columbus made some of those folks believe they might be able to hold on to him. But ultimately, especially for a top end of the front, you know, first round type guy, he just can't match the money. You know, is that I guess just just, to, you know, I'm long winded here, but just kind of give me your thoughts on kind of the the variables at play for Van Praan of would he stay and would he go and ultimately what he ends up announcing. Well, I think in the Stroud case, when you're looking at a top two or three pick, I think you're looking at thirty four million dollars, which is just I mean, I don't know any. I mean, my goodness, that's one third of Kirby smart salary. Um, I don't think that you could, you know, Ohio State as much as they wanted it, you know, you know, now Peyton Manning came back, but obviously his family wasn't hurting for money back in the day. It, it, you know, Stroud, part of me wanted to see it just because the guy's got an empty trophy case and my heart just went out to him. He played one of the best football games I've ever seen against Georgia and lost. Um, I mean, really, that was just an unbelievable performance. <laughs> and we're as we were sitting there watching this, we were going, "Holy cow!" Like you know, Bryce Young did this last year, now this cat. Um, but but I, I think the money with Van Print—it's it, it's more than just the money, though. It's the lifestyle, and we've said this before. It, listen, I'll put it like this: I was in the military, 
and I wouldn't trade anything for the three years that I was in the military. And, you know, the training that we did was demanding. It was hard. You know, the, the you know, 6 a.m. formations every day, the work weekends working, the time out. It was great. But when it was time to get out, I, I was ready to get out. I was ready to go back to civilian life. And, um, you know, now what if, what if the military would have made me all these offers? What if, you know, what if, you know, what if this, what if that? Would I have signed on from Georgia is a tough place. It ain't a picnic over there. It's, it's really, really, really hard. And, and I don't think people realize just how demanding that place is. I mean, you, you are signing up for some of the most intense self-discipline. Yeah, they eat at the fancy restaurant and they've got a cool football building. But the sweat, the, the physicality um, for some of the student athletes that, that go to the classes, you know, and Van Pran is one of those guys that follows the numbers. I mean, that is a very hard life, and you're living that hard life, so you give yourself an opportunity for the NFL. And now here's that opportunity, and people are saying one more year. And as a leader, Cedric will be torn because he has been the absolute uh, offensive line leader. This kid is so impressive, Brandon. He is going to be whatever he does in life after football, I'm signing up for. This is one of the most impressive young men I have run across. Um, but he has dreams, and, and I'm sure he's torn. And then you add to it the, the tragedy. Uh, the offensive line room is really shaken up right now, as you would expect. Yeah. They've lost a teammate, a brother, a future star on the cusp of his breakout. I mean, this is a devastating time in Cedric's life, and yet he has this enormous decision that he'll live with the rest of his life, for better or worse. I mean, will he regret it? You know, I was talking with Smile Munden. One of the really cool things about having that 45-minute media day at the Los Angeles Convention Center uh, about a week and a half ago was that you had time to really talk to these guys. It wasn't in a group of 10 people where you got one question and then they walk away. You sit down and you talk. And, and I, I pulled Smile aside and I had a really good long talk with this guy. I, I really like this guy. This is a really special person. And one of the things we talked about was um, the value of the college. Uh, championship, and, and I told him, <laughs> I just, I'll, I'll repeat it on my you. I said, you know, when you guys win this second championship, I mean, I told him, when you guys win this second championship, it's going to be a really big deal. I said, but if you could win a third, I said, now that, you want to make history? I said, now, you know, we started talking about the third, and he said, you know, that's what all the guys that come back tell us. All the guys in the league come back and tell us the same thing that this is so much, you know, better and more, and that they wish they had another year. And he shook his head. I said, no, they mean it, man. I said, because what you find out in the league is that money is good, but you're never going to have a brotherhood like you have now. And, and again, I compare that to the military for me. I still have Facebook friends and guys I talk to that I served with almost 40 years ago. And I was only with them, you know, two and a half, three years. And yet, we're, you know, so there's a lot to unpack there in what I'm saying. But I think there's a lot of dynamics involved with Cedric. What's at stake for Georgia with the third national championship, a kid living out his dreams, a kid trying to find himself after losing a friend in tragic fashion, a kid being looked at as a leader at Georgia versus going in as a rookie in the NFL. Does he want to leave with guys, or does he want to groom and lead other young people around him? So whatever Cedric does, there's no right or wrong, and, and Georgia fans I know will support him either way. Yeah. Um, 
just a dynamic situation there, though, Brandon. All right, Mike, good to be with you. Thanks for being here, a part of uh, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pass Management today. We'll look forward to reading more from you in the days to come and, of course, chat with you back here again very soon as well. Appreciate it, Brandon. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, you know, pushing aside what Cedric must be dealing with personally here for a moment because, honestly, that's a lot for me to even consider, and it's way more than I feel like I can even talk about. I mean, I literally cannot put myself in the position that he must feel like he's in right now in terms of the the, the personal feelings that he and all these offensive linemen must be going through. I mean, it's literally – it's hard for me to even consider that within the context of football. So just sort of keeping this within the boundaries of football just for a moment – Cedric is one of those guys where it's hard for me not to want to be selfish about because ultimately they do need to make the decision that's right for them from an NFL standpoint. They do, and you have to fully evaluate all of that. And ultimately, obviously, that's what he's going to do. And as Mike said, and he's right about this, Georgia fans are going to wish him well um, if he were to move on. Of course, they're going to do that. But the reason why it's hard not to be a little bit selfish about this is it's because, to me, there are a handful of players that come through Georgia where you always say, well, next man up. It's sort of obvious that in terms of doing what this guy does, there isn't an immediate next man up, and that's not for me to say that whoever Georgia's center would be next year is going to be a good player. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is there are some people who just sort of seem to have it, and replicating it is just sort of hard to do in the immediate aftermath. I think Jordan Davis is a player like that. Uh, years ago, I think a guy like Andrew Thomas would have been a player like that, where it's just that they just bring a little bit of extra with them. And Cedric Von Prahn Granger is one of those guys that, that does that. I remember when he was recruit coming out of Louisiana. It's one of those things where, like, you know, he's rated, like, what, 50-something in the country or something like that. It's, you know, like, traditionally we don't make centers five stars, but it was pretty obvious that Georgia wanted Van Pran as much as it wanted anybody because he just sort of had that thing, that vibe from, like, the word go, and that's a player that you were always really, really, really glad to have. And so if if he moves on, and maybe he should, maybe maybe that's the best financial decision for him, if he moves on, then, then of course, Georgia wishes him well, and all likelihood is Georgia will have a good center next season because Georgia just typically has good players in almost every position. But there are some guys that sort of hurts a little extra to lose, and Cedric Von Prahn Granger, when he plays his last snap for Georgia, if it's already happened or if it happens in the future, it's one of those guys that's going to hurt just a little bit extra to lose because of just truly how valuable he's been for Georgia. Uh, you can't help but acknowledge some of that. Let's get ready to go cruise around the SEC now, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. And, you know, we are so excited about what's going to happen for us this upcoming April with our second-ever cruise with Dog Nation. In fact, some of our friends from Royal Caribbean, I think, are actually going to be in our building here today. We're going to talk more about that, some of those special events that we're going to be doing from a Dog Nation standpoint. Because, as I've told you before, you know, we're on board Independence of the Seas, there are already lots of fun things to do on the ship. There's the great Broadway-style entertainment and the live music and, of course, the specialty restaurants and the water slides and on and on you could go with the things that happen on board or the ports that we visit, like Nassau in the Bahamas or Perfect Day Coco Cay, that private island in the Bahamas that's exclusively for those on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. We can talk to you about all of that, about what you get on any Royal Caribbean cruise vacation that you choose to go on. But there's also the special Dog Nation stuff for this. Now, I haven't talked to my people in a couple of days. I know the last time we talked, they told me we were this close to being sold out. 
So I'm going to assume if they haven't told me to stop talking about this, it's okay for me to still mention this. But I do know that we are running up against our capacity for this. The ship itself is going to run to its capacity eventually, but we're going to run into our capacity for who we can have on board this Dog Nation cruise. So if you've been on the fence, it's time now to make your final plans to be a part of this with us. So visit RoyalDogs.com. Great website. Uh, the Jessica Slater Terrific Travel Agents put together, uh, RoyalDogs.com. You can also call Jessica directly, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. And she can give you all the details about this and any other Royal Caribbean cruise vacation that you want to be a part of. We hope to see you April 24th through the 28th for our second ever cruise with Dog Nation on board Independence of the Seas. Going out of Port Canaveral in Florida, right down the road from Orlando, seeing NASA on the Bahamas, seeing Perfect Day, Coco Cay. It's going to be an amazing time. Uh, we haven't really been in too much of a mood as of late for like gator hating and things like that. We're going to get back to some of that, I, I promise you. It just hasn't quite felt fully right yet to kind of get back into some of the fun stuff that we like to do. But uh, no doubt we have noticed what has gone on with Jaden Rashada there in Florida as the Gators apparently are not going to be able to hold on to him. He did officially ask for his uh, letter of intent release, and the assumption here is that Florida will grant it, and we'll see what happens with Rashada after that. You kind of know some of the backstory here. The Orlando Sentinel had reported the other day that Rashada had thought he had an agreement for $13 million, and that's at least that's report, and apparently uh, Florida <laughs> – Florida just couldn't pay the money. They just don't have that much money. They may have made the promise, but they don't have the money. And so Rashad is moving on. And so I think on the one hand, it's obviously somewhat humorous that a school like Florida is this desperate that they're making these grand promises, allegedly, for a player like Rashada. But on the other hand, this is one of those things that's just going to be a very real part of the in. L no NLI's letter of intent NIL is the uh, is the name image likeness this is also going to be a very real part of the NIL discussion you've heard me say this before there is obvious demand for NIL players want it programs want to use it as a way of enticing players whether the state law allows for that or not that's what they want to be able to do there's obviously a demand for NIL but the NIL supply is always going to be a little bit tricky if I'm an NFL owner if I'm a billionaire and if I'm paying my players, I get a return on that investment. It's not a wealth transfer. I'm simply trading one form of wealth for another. Well, in the case of the college stuff, it's just a little bit different. Somebody somewhere, if they were going to pay Jaden Rashada, was going to give up $13 million. And it's either 13 millionaires each giving a million, or it's a billionaire giving $13 million, or whatever it's supposed to be. Y'all, I don't care how much money you have. That is still a lot of money. And there aren't that many people who are just going to voluntarily watch their net worth reduced by $13 million or the $5 million that Drake May was supposedly going to get paid or the seven-figure sums that we hear are happening with regularity. If you're going to make NIL sustainable over the long haul, this is true for Georgia, this is true everywhere. If you're going to make NIL payments sustainable, meaning the kind of thing that you can do year after year after year, you're going to have to find some other plan other than boosters who are rich getting less rich. Like there's going to have to be another plan in place other than that, because the idea of I'm a rich guy, but I love big state you so much that I'm willing to become less rich so my team can win. Like that is not a sustainable plan. It's just not. So laugh at Florida over Rashada but also use this as a little bit of a template for how we talk about NIL moving forward. What's real? What's exaggerated? Uh, 
you know, and, and how is it that you make the, the reality of NIL more sustainable over the long haul? Because I said this, I believe, on video yesterday. I don't think I said this in the podcast. There's an old saying that if I owe you $13,000, I have a problem. But if I owe you $13 million, then you have a problem. And ultimately, that's what, what, what this kind of comes down to is Rashad was promised $13 million, but ultimately it's his problem of how do you collect that? It's, it's a wild, exaggerated claim that apparently had no basis in reality. And if Rashada thought he could have you know, gotten this amount of money somewhere else, if, he, if, if, if that's what he thought fair market value was for him, then he'd already be getting it somewhere else. So, so the issue here is not just Florida's inability to pay, but it's prospects like Rashada, their inability to truly cash in to the level they've been told is a possibility. They've just simply been lied to. And I think deep down they probably understand that. So we'll continue to follow stuff like that and kind of see what's next in this ongoing saga of what is and isn't real when it comes to NIL. One, I guess, tiny addendum to all this is, I guess last week, con- concurrent to the um, uh, national championship stuff, there was also a coaches convention, a big thing that happens every year. In basketball, the coaches convention and the Final Four always take place at the same spot. I guess the uh, football thing is a little bit different than that. But one of the things that football coaches are kind of asking for right now, I read something about this, is they want a searchable database that gives accurate information on who's getting paid what when it comes to NIL. We have this when it comes to coaches. I don't see why we shouldn't have this when it comes to players. I think that'd be a very, very valuable asset in terms of trying to determine what's real here. Because who wouldn't benefit from knowing what real is, right? Whether you be a player looking to get paid, a program looking to provide resources for your players, fans just trying to make sense of all this, a booster trying to figure out, are they trying to fleece me and, and demand a bunch of money from me? And you know, you know, making claims about what I need to do to kind of help my support my alma mater. Who wouldn't benefit from more clarity in all this, more transparency in all this? Seems like we all would. And yet somehow, some way, it feels like that's probably not going to end up happening. I'll also mention that Jim Harbaugh, after kind of flirting with the NFL for a second consecutive year, has announced that he is staying at Michigan. And I guess it's one of those things where, and I only know like a third of, of what's going on here. But I guess that Harbaugh's demand for the NFL teams is he wants to have full control, kind of be like a Bill Parcells maybe used to be or something like that. And apparently the NFL just don't do that anymore. So that so that while Parcells, I should say, Harbaugh has been a little bit attractive to, to NFL teams, it sounds like he's got some pretty big demands over how much control he'll assert. If you'll remember when he was head coach at uh, San Francisco, he had big feud with the GM there, so. Really, Harbaugh has a hard time getting along with people. Uh, I guess he's also still feuding with some people there at Michigan too. Sounds like Michigan's not the happiest place in the world these days, uh, for you know maybe for a number of reasons. So so Harbaugh wants like no boss at the NFL level. He wants to run everything. A lot of NFL teams at this day and age just don't really want to do that anymore. But Harbaugh is going to stay at Michigan. This is such a weird time in the life of the Big Ten where Michigan's clearly on top in the league. They have beaten Ohio State two years in a row. But the coach that's led all of this only sort of seems like he halfway wants to be there. Uh, it's, just, it's a very strange time, very strange time, not to mention the fact that you've got a new commissioner coming in. And, by the way, hard not to notice what uh, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey said, or at least alluded to with Kevin Warren going back to last week. Y'all, I'm telling you, you've heard me say this before, uh, you know, Watch what happens to the Big Ten because the Big Ten is the new nemesis of the SEC. They are fighting over the same resources. Sankey sort of took that shot towards um, uh, the departing Warren, who's you know moving on to become president of the Chicago Bears. Uh, you know, situations like this at Michigan pay very close attention to the Big Ten because they are the rival to the SEC now when it comes to TV contracts and revenue and everything else. 
and all is not seemingly happy in Big Ten land right now. Uh, you get the impression of that. One more quick story here I'll mention, too, and then we'll do the Stetson Bennett thing for a minute. So Georgia, hard-fought loss last night up in Kentucky. Dogs had a lead, uh, let it slip away. Oscar, whatever his name is, had like, I mean, he had one of the most amazing games anybody's had in college basketball in quite some time. But I came away once again thinking, this is a Georgia team that's really pretty good. They were a huge underdog. You know, Georgia had the better record than Kentucky, and Kentucky's obviously uh, had a little bit of a, you know, a disappointing season by their standards. But to see Georgia do what it did last night on the road at Kentucky, you don't have to win at Kentucky to prove anything. That would just be extra in terms of what Georgia's trying to accomplish this season. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying you should be happy with, uh, you know, moral victories, whatever else. I'm just telling you that I did not change my overall opinion of of Georgia last night. For a while, it seemed like they might win the game, and if they did, they're probably ranked in the top 25, which is, I mean, just astounding, for, you know, for what Georgia basketball has been. But in terms of losing it, you know, letting it slip away there, this is still a Georgia basketball team. I believe it's pretty good. As you're kind of moving into the winter time of the year, um, uh, I think it's probably worth your attention there a little bit. I, I, I do. I also say this. I think what Mike White and that team have done to kind of honor the memory of Devin Willock and uh, Chandler LaCroix, I think that's really touching and, and, and special as well. Uh, you're already probably cheering for them anyway. They deserve your cheers even more so for the kind of the way in which they have really in a very classy way paid tribute to the horrible circumstances that George has been dealing with here over the course of the last couple of days. So at least wanted to give, give a mention there to the uh, basketball team. And I'll also say this kind of in sort of keeping with our SEC through um, – the best soap opera in the SEC right now might be what's happening at Kentucky. That may be the best soap opera where you know that Mark Stoops and John Calipari were feuding with each other over the idea of what is and isn't a basketball school. Uh, Mitch Barnhart's kind of gotten mixed into this. Apparently, and this is my speculation, but I believe I'm probably right. Apparently, John Calipari has been using media sources as a way of kind of sort of airing some dirty laundry about the money he wants to spend and the fact that he's not really allowed to do that. And Mitch Barnhart, the AD there, has been kind of put on the uh, – in kind of the spotlight in relationship to this that – I don't know. How all of this plays out at Kentucky is to me very, very interesting, that, that there's clearly some unhappiness there. And it seems like right now what at one point in time was like dissatisfaction with the fact that Kentucky basketball just doesn't win anymore – uh, at least in the, in the in the in the March time of year, all of a sudden some of that, I think that John Calipari has kind of successfully moved some of the anger that was expressed towards him, and he's kind of now kind of pointed that towards the Kentucky athletic director, Mitch Barnard, which is maybe a misread on this from a long way away, but if you care about like SEC soap operas, a lot of you kind of like some of this kind of drama. The Kentucky drama right now is actually pretty good. There's been a bunch written about this. Barnhart's in a couple of interviews lately where he's had to kind of turn to defend himself. It's actually pretty entertaining if you're into that kind of thing. And we'll kind of make that, I guess, a cruiser on the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean and a kind of combined with a little Georgia basketball talk there. All right. So here now, back fully on the dogs here just for a moment. So a lot of you know the thing coming off of Saturday with the – parade you know Stetson Bennett was whatever he was I I told you like I wasn't that happy with 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 some of that I I don't really care you know I I thought the Bennett speech was a little bit weird I thought some of the demeanor during the parade was a little bit weird I'm not gonna lie to you just because I like a guy doesn't mean I'm gonna tell you that I like everything about him in every single instance and I didn't love 
everything from Bennett on the parade on Saturday. Ultimately, though, it is to me just not that big of a deal. As I've said now a couple of times, I am not going to get too critical of how a guy chooses to celebrate his second straight national championship one at Georgia. Uh, that's true for me on Bennett and everybody else. But I guess uh, media guy, uh, Stake Shapiro, you may have heard him on the radio, kind of had some things to say about Bennett. And Bennett last night sort of fired back at him on Twitter. I promise you I can't spend more than 90 seconds on this because it just doesn't rise to my level. But I at least wanted to mention because everybody else is talking about that. So Bennett <laughs> fires back. And then goes on this like long diatribe, like I mean, like one of those notes app type deals. <laughs> I can't read all this, um, uh, but Stetson basically defends himself and talks about what he was doing and you know listening to music and whatever else. That's fine. Can we just at least consider this 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 issue done? I'm not quite so sure that anybody comes across looking very good in an online spat like this here right now. I would just sort of prefer just sort of move off this forever. A lot of folks really got fired up about and thought it was really funny that Stetson said what he said. If you're entertained by that, then have at it. I mean, honestly, have at it if that's what entertains you. Um, you know, look, Stetson was a phenomenal player for Georgia. This was a phenomenal season. Um, his legacy at Georgia is without question. Um, I'm ready to not talk about the parade anymore. I, I, I will at least uh, say that. So that was funny to a lot of people. They seem to enjoy that. And we'll just sort of leave it at that uh, here uh, for now. Uh, let me do a couple of shout outs here just for a moment. Uh, of course, the Finish Long Drink. We love them. We love our big finish on Friday where we kind of show folks enjoying themselves and have a little Finish Long Drink. And obviously a lot of our audience has, uh, has really enjoyed that. Uh, over the course of the uh, last couple of years there as well. And if you haven't tried the finished long drink, we want you to do so. You can go to the longdrink.com. That's the website, thelongdrink.com. And uh, you can, whether it be the long drink cranberry, that's, as you might expect, got the cranberry flavor or like the traditional, it's a blue can, has the citrus. Yeah, that's the blue can you see right there on the screen. It's the uh, traditional. It's got the uh, the grapefruit citrus flavor with the gin kick. You got the long drink strong, 8.5% alcohol by volume. Long drink zero. That's no carbs, no sugar. You can try all of that. It's really, really good. And if you'll enjoy some and then send a picture of you doing so, then we'll feature you on Friday as a part of our big finish presented by the Finish long drink there as well. So we appreciate uh, all of that. And... By the way, our friends at MyBookie, if you want to get going here as we roll into divisional round playoff action in the NFL here this weekend or whatever you need to do to kind of help pass the time before we're back talking about college football again, I think one of the best ways to enjoy sports this time of year is to have some action down on the game. And so this is a great time to open that account with our friends at MyBookie. If you have not done that yet, just simply go online, type MyBookie into your browser. The internet will do the work for you. And then once you get to MyBookie, use the promo code DOGNATION, all one word. By the way, it's supposed to be D-A-W-G. And when you make that initial deposit with our friends at MyBookie, they're going to give you a deposit bonus to match that, up to $1,000. So here's how it works. You put in $300. My bookie into your account is going to also put $300. You've got $600 in your account before you even won your first bet. Then after that, it's winning season. That means you play, you win, you get paid. So have fun with the games, whether it be college basketball or the pro football stuff or anything else we head towards the uh, rest of the year here. Our friends at MyBookie, a great place to go for that. Open your account, get the big deposit bonus, use the promo code DOGNATION to make sure that you get it. So let me, uh, I guess, kind of finish up this way here today. Uh, we've had a couple of folks in our audience who have asked the question of, hey, we want to, you know, kind of step up. We want to show some support to the families of, of Chandler and Devin and obviously what George has been dealing with. And there's been some confusion out there on this because, listen, one of the things that sometimes makes me a little bit nervous is, 
you know, some of the GoFundMe stuff that kind of flies around out there. And, you know, it's very hard to sometimes to verify a, a lot of this. And we see examples of that from time to time. And so I think you've got to be always really careful about, you know, stuff like that. So I know Oscar Dupp's mom uh, kind of put this out a little bit yesterday. The official athletics account from George has put this out. Now, obviously, you can't click on the link from what we're seeing here. But I'm going to show you this, and I'm going to put a link myself when I post the show later on. This is the official UGA Athletics account. If you're watching on video, you see this. If you're listening podcast, if you'll go to where we post the show at dognation.com, I'll put a link to this too. But for those of you who want to, like, honor Devin's family, uh, Chandler's family, kind of show some love and support here, what UGA Athletics writes, and I appreciate, uh, I think it was Oscar Delp's mom, who was the first to sort of share this, uh, UGA saying that we've been overwhelmed and touched by the outpouring of love and support for uh, the Willick and LaCroix families. Many people have reached out asking how to help. And what UGA says is there's a link here for donating for uh, Devin's family and a link here for donating to Chandler's family. So I would say if you're interested in finding out more about this, go to at UGA, UGA Athletics on Twitter. That's at UGA Athletics on Twitter. And that link to the official GoFundMe for both of these uh, families will be right there. When I post the show, I'll make sure to uh, put a link in there there uh, for us on that, too. And I appreciate, gosh, as as UGA says, outpouring of love and support here. And this is one of the things I think we have to understand here, that as we get ready to kind of – for those of us that didn't know Devin and Chandler personally – I think it becomes a little bit easier for us to sort of eventually kind of slide back into life as we've known it. Well, I mean, we're you know talking about the football team again, and we're talking about some of that news, and we just sort of get back to doing what it is that we do. And I think it's really important to keep in mind that as we do that, the the people that 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 know and have known Chandler and Devin, they don't have that luxury quite yet. That 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 they are going to be touched by this and they're going to be in anguish over this for as long as the future as maybe we all are able to see here right now so keep that in mind that that your prayers are still really valuable here prayers for the uga community prayers for the families of these uh uh you know folks in particular and i just don't think we need to lose sight of that that um that this tragedy has has touched and will continue to impact georgia for a long time to come so it's so nice to see the people that want to support uh here and i appreciate georgia making it easier and more accessible to be able to do that and your prayers are going to continue to be really valuable there as well so with that said we'll see you back here on our show again tomorrow